Hello and welcome to Highlander Newsroom, a program that discusses the articles and issues covered in the Highlander newspaper at UC Riverside. My name is Fatima Shalabi and I'm the managing editor at the Highlander and your host for today. I'm joined by Kevin Contreras, the sports editor, Evelyn Homan, the opinions editor, David Moreno, the assistant opinions editor, and Sedant Gupta, the copy editor. We have a few interesting topics lined up for discussion today, so let's go ahead and get started. So first up is a recent article by our news editor, uh, Abhijit Reej, where he has interviewed Bryce Hills, a UCR student and the creator of the Discord server, which has actually gained a good amount of members who are gathering in opposition to the full return to campus. Going into this past week, I think a lot of us felt um, a complete mix of emotions, excitement, nervousness, uh, optimism, and also frustration. What are your own reflections um, on this first week back, and how have your transitions from remote learning to in-person been going? Evelyn? I would say so far for me, it's been really good. It's so nice. I finally stepped foot in a lecture hall on campus for the first time in my entire college career, which I thought was pretty fascinating. I felt like one of those COVID kids you see on TikTok all the time that have never been outside before. Um, but at the same time, it's definitely come at like a price. I know that the COVID cases on campus have gone up about 10% or something like that since we've come back to campus. So I can definitely understand why people have been really concerned. Um, but for me personally, it's just been so nice to be back on campus and interact with people and actually get to see the inside of the buildings I'm paying to see on campus. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think me coming back into in-person instruction, I was pretty excited. I was kind of nervous just because cases are still pretty bad. And I think all of us right now, at least for myself, I know so many people that actually are testing positive for COVID, even though they have their booster shot. So I, I do feel that there's um, some sort of like anxiousness, like anxiety when it comes to that. Um, but otherwise, I feel like I'm pretty happy that we're back in person. I think I've been enjoying all of my classes, and I feel safe being on campus just because we're all masks, and I think most, all of us are boosted. So, yeah, Kevin? Um, it was a bit uh, inconvenient for me just because uh, being online meant I could quite literally be in multiple places at once because I just have to join multiple Zoom meetings. But I am glad that we are back in person because that means that I'm going to get a nice... Uh, final quarter in spring quarter as my last quarter at UCR so I'm looking forward to what um, other events are going to happen that like we were robbed of last year. Mm -hmm. David? Yeah I feel the same way um, like making the decision back to campus was definitely a bit scary and like I was here the five weeks prior to uh, us coming back in campus and um yeah, like the atmosphere really did change. I feel kind of bad because I know a lot of like the student workers um, got sick right away because they were the ones that were the most exposed to, um, like all these new people coming in. But I really do enjoy being back on campus. And like how Kevin said, um, it's, I only have one more quarter here until I graduate. So I really want to have like the most traditional and like normal experience I can possibly have before I have to like go on to the next day. Yeah, I mean, going into a little bit about um, kind of like the hesitancy to returning campus, I think in the article, um, the interview with Bryce, uh, he basically kind of explains that part of the reason why a lot of students were upset about returning to in-person is because we were all given sort of just seven-day notice and all of us had to sort of come up with plans to return to campus. And thankfully, I commute, so I, I don't really have to worry about coming back to Riverside. But um, I do think that that was difficult for so many students, and I think that's part of the reason why um, a lot of students are upset, just the lack of communication. So, Yeah, I think that's, for me personally, like, I felt like going back into campus was awesome. I liked it being able to be in person for my classes and also having my first, like, 
in-person lecture was really cool. Um, but going off of what Fatima just said about um, people, like the inconvenience of coming back in seven, in seven days, um, I think that's a big problem because I know like a lot of people, like my hallmates are from the Bay, so it can be tough and just thinking about that. But um, I think um, coming back was great, especially with how boosters were mandated. I, I think we have like a good safety um, barrier, but it's good to be careful too. So I think like the mandates for masks and stuff are always good. Yeah, definitely agree. And then moving on, um, speaking of the transition between remote learning to in-person instruction, we've all faced some like strange or difficult circumstances being remote and in trans transitioning back to being in-person. Our features editor, Ashley Chan, wrote an article where she discusses various multitasking habits that we can all adopt in order to free some time up now that our schedules have gotten busier. Does multitasking work for you guys and which habits have you guys developed? David? I I I I feel like I have developed some great multitasking tasks, especially the first five weeks of the quarter when we were all completely online, like doing things while you're like in a Zoom meeting, kind of treating it like a podcast, like in the background while you clean your room and like you make lunch. So that's definitely something that is going to be taken away um, with us going back in person. I won't be able to make myself a sandwich while I'm in the middle of lecture. But um, I feel like it is important to be able to like kind of do the things at once, especially now that we're back on campus, um, kind of making the most of your time. So um, you're not like, so at the end of the day, you're not left with like too many tasks that you need to complete. Mm -hmm. I feel like um, it's always great to have like those skills. Yeah, I definitely relate to treating your Zoom meeting like a podcast. I think I took multitasking pretty far <laughs> when it came to like um, remote learning. I've like said it before, I used to basically be in a Zoom meeting on my phone at the same time. Sometimes I'd be doodling and then other times I'm playing video games all at the same time. And it just became really like distracting. I think it really destroyed my attention span to like a, a large extent. And I think that's one of the hardest things that I had to like sort of like come to terms with when we came back to in person. Because I really had to, you know, you can't be like doodling and on, I don't know, just a bunch of things when your professor is lecturing because that's pretty like, I don't know, it's really... Um, but yeah, so that's one of the things that I've had to change and I've had to kind of step down on my like my sort of habits of multitasking and kind of just make sure that I'm trying to focus on one thing at a time. Sadam? Yeah, I feel like with multitasking in general, like doing something else while I'm doing uh, one action is t like tough and also hard for me to like, because I like to like focus on one thing completely. But in terms of like um, online, like Zoom, sometimes I would just like mess around and just like run around like near my uh, computer, just like something to, I guess, keep me busy while I'm like trying to concentrate on Zoom. Kevin? Yeah, so multitasking is not my forte. I'm not very good at it. I try and then I end up doing two things poorly instead of one thing well. So on Zoom, I instead of I would use multitasking more as a way to increase my attention span. Instead of going on my phone, I'd maybe check my emails or I'd like check what assignments I have coming up. Because if not, my multitasking would end up me being on a Zoom and then just like scrolling on my phone for hours and be like, oh, the class is done. And I ended up not paying attention to class. So I actually appreciate like these little hacks because I can actually start doing proper multitasking. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think 
kind of connecting to that. One of the things that doesn't work for me sometimes when it comes to multitasking is I love listening to podcasts and stuff while I'm driving, but sometimes even that is a little bit too much to me because I'm the type of driver that like really likes to focus on the road and I can't really have just a bunch of noise around me. So sometimes that becomes hard. But yeah, Evelyn? Yeah, I feel like multitasking during Zoom meetings was definitely something that I had to get used to, especially if it was like I have another class I need to go to, but I wasn't able to get the reading done the night before. So I'd be spending the class like reading or getting something else done. Um, I'm definitely going to miss it a little bit just because I got so used to like, oh, I can make myself, I can meal prep and make my dinner while I'm listening to my meeting in the background. Um, and I always hated it when they would like call on you specifically and you're just sitting there and I'm like, I'm like frying oil or something and <laughs> there's just this sizzling in the background while I answer this question. Um, so it was definitely like a blessing and a curse. Um, hopefully like going forward, I don't need to like... I'm probably going to do that because, like, my registration period tomorrow is at the exact same time that my lecture starts. So I'm going to be registering for class while I'm in class. But um, I think I'm going to keep some of the multitasking things that I've learned, but definitely not to the extent that I had to during our Zoom university period. Yeah, totally. Um, and then going to a different section of our newspaper, Brenda Hovell. Our assistant radar editor wrote a review on a fairly recent film on HBO Max called The Fallout. And the film basically follows a 16-year-old girl named Veda and her emotional journey toward uh, dealing with her trauma in the aftermath of a school shooting. Uh, Brenda talks about the weight that this movie has and its relevance in today's world. Have any of you checked out this film? And um, if not, what, what do you guys think about the topic? David? Um, I personally haven't seen the movie yet, but I love... Jenna Ortega, I think she's a great actress and I really want to see it. So it's on my things to watch after I finish my midterms this week. Um, but I think it's very important to sort of have movies about this certain topic just because it's something that's so prominent, especially here in the in the States. And I feel like if we kind of center a conversation around it more, then we can have more awareness for it moving forward. It's not, it's not just something that we like when it happens we like choose to move on and not talk about it because it's like something that like causes us pain or it's like awkward to talk about so um, i feel like any representation for that is like good um and what well brenda said in her um review it sounded like the movie did a pretty good job at, at conveying that message um so i would recommend anyone who wants to look more into it to um check it out yeah, I definitely think Brenda did a good job at reviewing this. Um, I think she really highlighted sort of the importance of it. Um, for that same reason, I feel like this is a movie that I cannot personally handle. I feel like I, t I, t I, lo I like in, um, watching sad movies, but I feel like it, it hits too hard when it's about stuff that connects this much to real life. And um, there was one Netflix uh, short film in 2020 that basically came out and... Um, I don't remember exactly what it was called, but it was basically about two parents that were kind of grieving for their child after they lost um, their child in a school shooting. And even that hit really hard and there wasn't much dialogue in it. Um, but yeah, that, that hit really hard. And I just think that I can't really handle watching stuff that hits that close. Sit down. Yeah, so um, I think the an article itself is really like well put on how the emotions conveyed throughout the movie of Veda and her uh, friend. Um, I really think like what everyone else is saying, how we really need to, I guess, shed light on how these, the traumatic events after 
um, these unfortunate events happen. So like more about mental health. I thought after reading this review, it really um, sheds light on how unfortunate that is. Um, I haven't watched the movie, but I'm not sure if I want to because it's pretty sad and I don't really like watching like real life um, tragedies, but um, it's good to bring light on this topic and more awareness on mental health. Yeah, definitely agree. Evelyn? Yeah, uh, going back to what you were bringing up, the Netflix show, uh, the like the short that you're talking about, I think it was called um, If Anything Happens, I Love You. Yes, yes. Yeah, I, I watched that as well, and that just broke my heart. But I feel like it's really important to have, like, shows and media that, like, talk about these subjects, because I feel like, you know, in America, we've had so many instances of gun violence, unfortunately, that all we can associate it with is seeing a headline on the news and maybe some, like, really distraught families crying. And honestly, at this point, it's really sad, but we're so desensitized to it because of how often it happens that I think we need media that, like, is immersive and shows these stories of, like, what happens to the people who, like, are experiencing these situations because... I think that showing the stories in such like an immersive way, like a, a show or a movie, it helps people to understand like people who go through these things are really traumatized and it doesn't just affect, you know, the victims, it affects like all the community at large and how like just horrific it is. So I feel like we need more movies and shows that talk about the subject, as difficult as it is to talk about, because it helps people realize the severity of this issue in our country. Yeah, no, I totally agree. That's actually a really good point. Um, I think especially nowadays, we've sort of, uh, but like you said, we've become desensitized. And I think a lot of the times when we just see a news article about a school shooting, we're like, oh, that's just a headline. But there are real people that are being really affected by this. And it destroys a lot of lives, um, not just those people that are lost, have their lives lost because of the, um, the school shooting, but also just so many people around them that really love them. And um, yes, I do think it's important. It kind of teaches us and reminds us that these people are real people, people and they shouldn't be going what they're, uh, through what they're going through. Kevin? Yeah, uh, so like uh, both of you have been saying, uh, for us, it's just like a headline that'll disappear in two to three days, a week at most, um, or it's just a viral video that we saw on Twitter or on any other form of social media. But for these people, it's uh, something that lasts, lasts weeks, months, if not years to work through to like extensive amounts of therapy uh, for the people who lost a loved one that never gets repaired and for the people who just barely survived that like fear is just always going to be chasing them and so i think this is a good way of showing that uh a good way of allowing us to briefly have a look into the painful lives that these people live after these moments and also another thing i noticed in her article is she mentions uh brenda mentions how uh, it captures the culture around Gen Z and how um, we are as kids and like the prevalence of social media platforms like TikTok. So I think it's interesting to see how in like the age of mass social media, like the even bigger impact it has like in the moments after these instances. Yeah, I definitely agree. And then um, going into our last article on today's list is the opinions article written by our contributing writer, Isabella Nakasoni where she discusses Biden's promise to appoint a black woman to the Supreme Court now that one of the justices has announced his retirement. And this was a campaign promise that Biden made before his appointment to presidency. What do you all think this means for politics and political divide? Evelyn? I think that Biden should choose a black woman to be in the Supreme Court. It would be a landmark 
I mean, I think of, I'm thinking back to Ruth Bader Ginsburg, who was saying that women belong in places where decisions are being made. And just knowing the impact that even, like, having Kamala Harris, who is a uh, black and Indian, I believe, be in a vice presidency role, like, what that'll mean for black girls across America will be absolutely amazing to see, like, it's amazing to see people who are like you, who look like you, who are you in these positions of power, and you can go, that's, I can be that. I feel like it be, it's not just a choice of, like, the Supreme Court justice, it's a choice that'll, like, kind of hinge like, and a whole generation, like, being inspired to pursue their dreams in America. Um, and I know that Biden, we had an article last week, like, Biden hasn't really been holding true to a lot of his promises, but I feel like when it comes to this one, he absolutely should go with a black woman. And we have so many qualified candidates, like, as well as throughout the article, like, uh, Kentaji Brown-Jackson, Leandra R. Kruger, and J. Michelle Childs. I feel like we have such highly qualified women who could go into this position that I think it'd almost be ridiculous if like Joe Biden does not decide to choose one of them. Yeah. So don't, what do you think? Yeah, I completely agree. I feel like, um, with Biden's, uh, promise to appoint a black just, a Supreme justice, I really think that we should hopefully he'll follow through with that. And, um, I think with change, like we need to, change is always great and um i feel like this uh will bring a lot of like inspiration and um i think that's great like with going back to kamala harris that was like really big so like hopefully this could happen and that would be awesome yeah i totally agree i think representation on like the highest court on u.s soil is um super important I just, uh, part of me worries at the same time because part of me feels like Biden might be just using diversity to sort of gain more appreciation because I think a lot of people have been sort of upset or um, have been ca calling his presidency sort of a placeholder presidency where he hasn't been getting so much done. So I think pushing di for diversity is good. I just, I want, I want to make sure that Biden's doing it for like the right reasons. Um, but yeah, David? Yeah, I agree with that. Also, when it comes terms of getting a black woman in the Supreme Court, like, I really hope that Biden doesn't um, delay it or, like, get caught up behind, like, all the small details of, like, trying to make this, like, a bipartisan thing or, like, being afraid to kind of use more of, like, his power to get it pushed through. Because I feel like that's a problem we have seen a lot throughout his presidency is that he wants to be on this hill of, like, bringing Republicans and Democrats together when, obviously, that's the least thing that is probably going to happen anytime soon. Um, so, but I definitely do feel like um, he has to make good on this campaign promise if he wants to be reelected in two years. Um, because I'm, pre like, I'm pretty sure you already announced that he's going to run for re-election. Um, so, like, I think he should um, make do on his promise. Yeah, Kevin? Yeah, so for presidents to make promises and not follow through on them, uh, it's nothing new and it normally doesn't bother us because it's on something like taxes or some uh, Green Deal type policy. But for to make a promise this big that impacts uh, so many people in a symbolic way and to not follow through with it, I think that is a really big deal. Um, yes, maybe billions of dollars are not at stake, but billions of uh, people who um, would really appreciate this and... Uh, we have been talking about reparations in the paper. We've talked about uh, those issues before. And so I think it really is a big deal. 
And even uh, though we wouldn't like for it to be just a political maneuver, um, I think it's one of those situations where it could be a win-win. He gets some nice publicity and we get a nice step forward um, uh, culturally. And so I think it's one of those things where we might just have to compromise. And even if he's just doing it for the attention, we'd still get the victory in the end. The yeah. thing too is that we wouldn't really even be able to know if he was doing it for attention. Unfortunately, that's just not, we can't read his mind. Um, so I, I think I'm with Kevin. Like, I think what it's going to represent is going to be a lot larger because I think people would detract anyway and say, oh, he's only doing it because of X, Y, Z. I think that's just the nature of having that role as president. But the symbolism and, I mean, if someone is qualified to be in the Supreme Court, which these three women clearly are, they would, any of one of them would be amazing candidates. So if everyone who wants to say it's like affirmative action or if he's doing it because he's trying to like reach a quota or whatever, I don't think that's really what we should be focusing on. I think we should focus on what it's going to mean to a generation of women and black women and what it's going to mean for the next foreseeable 30 or 40 years that this woman will be in the Supreme Court. Yeah, that's very true. I think in, in some cases, um, I mean, at the end of the day, politics is politics. So you, you bring really good points about um, more so just what it means to appoint someone like that. But yeah, that's all for our newsroom episode today. If you'd like to more, learn more about the topics covered today, read the articles on our website, highlandernews.org, and catch us on Instagram at the Highlander UCR. Thank you for listening in, and we'll catch you next week.